Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe in a power greater than what you are going through when you don't know what to do. That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles and the Big Apple in New York City, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I am Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg at thecaregiverspace.org. Coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on 24 global audio and video platforms, including... Oh, my gosh, there's so many. Should I say them all? Okay. iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, HealthyLife.net, Vimeo, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, MixCloud, Listen Notes, Blueberry, Player FM, Podcast.com, VIP Internet Radio, TuneIn.com, Facebook Live, Always Tell You Book, CastBox, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and, of course, CaregiverDave.com. And we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM. And one of the top six best podcasts by Caring.com, as well as number three podcast out of thousands of caregiver podcasts on Feedspot. And we do have an exciting show planned for you today. Jennifer Perry, she is a smart lady. <laughs> Received her BA in communications, journalism, Spanish, attending Georgia State University and the University of Madrid before studying entertainment publicity at the Master's Liver. At UCLA, a former producer host of her own entertainment show on cable TV, radio shows. She's done publicity for HBO documentaries, a failed entertainment. Perry produces and hosts the podcast Madam Perry's Salon and Cybervision of Cultural Salons of Centuries Past. Sounds exciting. Sell your book today is Perry's quick and easy DIY. Do it yourself. Guide to Book Promotion for Indie Authors. And I've been on her show, and it's an amazing show. She's an amazing girl. But before we get started, I want to take this moment to thank my last week's guest, Brandon Granados. Actually, he wasn't the one. Laura Stanley was my last week's guest. <laughs> Founder of Cherish Your World. Uh, go with personality, body, and soul, right? She's holistic. Great show. Just a reminder, you can listen or watch that show on my website and on all of those websites that I mentioned earlier. So let's get started. Enough of that. Welcome to the show, Madam Perry. I'm so excited to have you on. Call me Madam, like Pearl Mesta. Me How Madam. you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing you great. Me, you can call me Jen, <laughs> Jennifer, JP. It's all good. So yeah. Just don't call you late for dinner. I know. Yeah, you got that right. <laughs> So we like to ask all of our guests the, the deep, important, meaningful question, who is Madame Perry and why was she placed on this earth? Madame Perry was placed here to be a, well, to, to connect. I call myself the connector. I like to connect people with people who uh, they can be mutually beneficial or helpful to each other in a good way, people that could be make great friends. Um, I believe in service and so when even when I had the jazz band or when I was uh, stand up or things like that for my show I like to think of that as service in that I'm entertaining people 
I'm uh, maybe sharing information. As you know, some of my guests might be historians, anthrozoologists, or NASA JPL people. Or it could be last night I had Billy Vera, you know, the musician that sang at this moment. What would you do? What did you think I would do at this moment? Uh, so it could be entertainers, actors, or whatever. But the point is, I like to think of that as a service to people. So service and connection. Uh, you're no stranger to caregiving, are you? It, you've you've had some caregiving touch you. As I like to say, if you're not a caregiver, just wait. You're either going to become one, you're going to need one. There's no escaping it. Now's the time to learn how to be a caregiver, not after tragedy strikes. So tell me about your uh, experience with caregiving. Well, part of it was helping my sister-in-law with her mother. And even though she lives in South Carolina, and sometimes I was in Georgia, and sometimes I was in um, Asheville, North Carolina, um, I would try to relieve Susan as often as I could because she also had, um, well, she had, you know, grown children, taught school, um, head of the drama department, and she was going for her master's, and uh, and her mother was very demanding. My mother-in-law was mm-hmm. to her, so it kind of gave most you know, mothers are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, you think? Uh, you know, Susan. <laughs> Susan was a saint. She was an absolute saint. It was like everything she did, even on her last day. There's of always life, one in a family, the saint. Here. <laughs> I know. Every she, I love Susan, but every time, even on even on Shirley's last day, when she had hadn't spoken, they say that you know she's she's almost gone. Susan walks in. And she comes conscious long enough to say, "Susan, you're late," and then dies. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I did what I could to help her and go and stay, especially one weekend when I stayed to help her so that Susan and her family could go on her vacation. I said, this might be their last Aww. vacation before their sons were married and gone off. So I went with, you know, my, with my dogs, two dogs, actually, because uh-huh. they're very, uh, these dogs were very much like therapy dogs, though they weren't trained. Yeah. But I went and stayed and I did, you know, as you know, everything, everything that she needed. After which I told my husband, "Listen, and I've got a good husband. Don't you? Well, ever you are. Give- <laughs> you're one of the good uh, siblings because a lot of siblings, <laughs> you're lucky if they do that. You know. Well, yeah, sister-in-law. Well, this is my sister-in-law. Your sibling-in-law. Wow. Yeah, this was this was my mother-in-law. <laughs> Extra points for that. Yeah, thanks. And I told my husband, I said, "Listen, after I've done this, this, and this for your mother, don't you?" ever act like I've never done anything <laughs> worthwhile. <laughs> oh, I'm not owed a little something sometimes, you know. You ever get mad at me about something that's not? Look, I was there. I was holding her hand in the bathroom. I, everything, you know. You know how it is, all the details. I'm not going to go into yeah. it. But, yeah, I took care of that. Then, um, also, my mother had been in the hospital off and on for about a year with a lot. She had a lot of problems. And she just, she loved going, she loved talking to the people in the doctor's office. She never did what they told her, yeah. but she would love to go. And I said, What's that? you know, this doesn't seem to be healing. Or this doesn't seem to be getting better. I know, but they're just so sweet to go spend time with them. You know, yeah. but well, you've got to go somewhere where you can get better, you know. And she wouldn't listen. So, but then in the last um, year of her life, she was in, in and out of ICU a lot. And, of course, I'm the only daughter, two brothers, but one brother was very, he was extremely helpful. And, uh, you know, we would take turns and we'd stay with her and stuff. And But she, <laughs> I, I think I was telling Dave, the kind of work I do as a publicist, I can do that anywhere I've got a phone. But 
that's great advice for other siblings who have their, all their excuses. Well, I can't go because I work, you know, and I live too far away. And uh, since you're the model sibling for a caregiver, why don't you give some advice to others of how they can, you know, work uh, from anywhere in the world? Now you well, can. Because... What did you say, Adrian? Now you can. I said. Now you can. Yeah. Yeah. Now. That's true. Now you can. There's a time. No excuses. Well, you know, I once heard somebody say, or, or it might have been an article I read in the New York Times that said, if you have one sibling that's close to the parent or, or uh, geographically and they're doing the work, don't ever tell them what they should and should not do or how they mm. should be doing it. They're the ones doing it. Don't tell yep. them. And I always did that with Susan. I always made sure that she told me what she needed from me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I had the job where I could, um, as long as I got a Wi-Fi and a phone, you know, I can call and I can, I can book, I can book all three events and, uh, and you know, send out uh, press releases mm. and you know things like that for them. Uh, find them other podcasts or radio shows or places where they could be interviewed and work their tours. I could do all of that. Mm. Uh, but the thing was, my mother didn't like to hear me talk when she was in the room. Mm-hmm. Or she hated she hated my laugh, and she would tell my she'd tell my nephew, "Don't make her laugh. I hate that laugh." <laughs> <laughs> well, some people like it. I mean, yeah, but she's don't make her laugh. Well, you well, have I a nice laugh, you. actually. Thank yeah. you, thank you. I don't know what it was. She was that was just it. So she said, "Don't." There's make her no laugh. snorting involved. That's a good laugh. <laughs> very seldom. There's very. I can't say it's never, <laughs> but very. But yes, it's at a minimum. And it's got to be good. It's got to be funny. So, um, so I was losing. You know, I had a couple of clients about to sign, and then they didn't because I couldn't talk to them. You know, I couldn't talk because of they only had one client. So to fill in the money and keep myself in, I just took this online shop in Photoshop uh, or online class in Photoshop. And I had been making things for my clients already, like all of their graphics or posters or whatever, but it took mm-hmm. me forever. So I took this class so I could do that, and then another one in graphic design so that I could make. Um, and I just put out something on Fiverr. Now, here's something for people who are busy with caregiving and uh, uh, need to keep something Tell people in. what Fiverr is, first of all, for those that don't you know. You know what it is? It's, I know what it um, is, yeah. But what? Well, Fiverr. Fiverr. It's spelled F-I-V-E-R. I've used them, and they're great. They, In fact, they designed my last two book covers. Uh, oh, really? I says, okay, those uh, I want a book cover that looks like a New York Times bestseller, and by golly, they delivered. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. seriously, because your covers are good. And you know, you can always tell a homemade book cover. <laughs> Isn't that oh, true? Man. And a homemade website, yeah. And a homemade, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you don't even have to know what homemade it, but you can tell it's homemade. So anyway, <laughs> they had a... Um, it's, it's a business, it's online, and Adrian, you can go there and you can work as a buyer or a seller, but you can go there and get anything. If you need somebody to design a book cover, if you want to, uh, if you want somebody to do a recording of you or of, of themselves as a, a celebrity impersonator, if you want someone to teach you or do some C++ coding for you, um, it, there's just no end. To what you can get from I'll have to there. check them out. Yeah. It is. And it's, it Adrian is, is a great, uh, uh, in all those areas, I'm a designer. She, she can actually be uh, working with Fiverr to get uh, customers to help. If oh, I gosh. wanted to, yeah. If you yes. wanted to, yes. You, my, I want to, my ex-husband, who lives in Zurich, 
use them. They've been around that long. It it doesn't matter where you are in the world anymore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, I even did, so I'll put there, you know, I can do your uh, author one sheet, your speaker one sheet, which, as you know, you guys know, it's a sheet. So if you want to, uh, it's like an ambassador for your book. It gives the information, the cover, also how to contact you. Well, of course, she's a motivational speaker, all about them, what their topics are, what they've been, quotes. I thought, well, I can do that and be quiet at, in the hospital, just do it online and send that out and keep it going. Right. And in fact, I even picked up a client that way from somebody that I did <laughs> a couple of things for. And she's going, I like this. What else can you do? What else will you do for me? And then whatever she asked, I did it. <laughs> No matter if I knew how to do it or not, I knew what it was, and then she became a client. So, um, yeah. You know, you great. mentioned something that that's curious because uh, it was a coincidence. You said how it took you three and a half hours to drive from Nashville to Atlanta, and I'm going to have to drive from Nashville to Atlanta <laughs> in August because I'm dropping my wife off at some relatives in Nashville oh. to go to the Atlanta event with uh, Dr. Oz and Dr. Drew and the real Patch Adams and Jocelyn Elders, the um, Surgeon General, General, all of that. And they told me it'll take four hours, so I'm thinking, wow, you must be a really good driver to make it in three and a half hours. No, no, no. I wasn't going from Nashville. I was going from Asheville, North Carolina, not Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, I thought that was Nashville. See, even in my writing, my accent comes through, doesn't it? So there is a place called Asheville. Yeah, Asheville, North Carolina. It's right near Pixley, right? And Hooterville. <laughs> yes. Or Mayberry, actually, yes. I think. Yes. Actu- yes, yes. Actually, for a while we were living um, in Asheville, we lived in a place called Mars Hill. And Mars Hill, which if you went one way from Asheville, you saw Mars Hill. Uh, the other direction was Jupiter. Yeah. And then a few exits down was Bat Cave. So. I yeah, I'm know. a sailor, <laughs> and, and I tell people all the time that we sail from Los Angeles to Catalina, which is the first island. Remember that uh-huh. song, 26 Miles Across the Sea? Across the Sea. And um, I tell them, you know, you got to watch that compass, because if you miss Catalina, the next <laughs> landmass you hit is Antarctica, and we're not going there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Have you ever done that? Uh, miss it? Yeah. I, I thought I missed it one time, but it was just fog. <laughs> it took an extra hour, and I was, I was sweating that hour. But, uh, that's how I met my wife. Uh, online, you can hear the story. I've, I've told it many times. It's an amazing story. It was it's a great story. Oh, you heard it. <laughs> oh, you t- well, you told it to me on the show, and I just Oh, yeah, that's right. I did. We had an hour to kill. I had a lot of stories to tell. <laughs> No, it is a great thing. By the way, how is Charlene doing? Charlene, how are you doing? She's doing okay. It's Madam Perry that still <laughs> wants her that still wants her pink hat. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Madam Perry wants your pink hat. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what would you do differently uh, in the years before your mother passed? Because, right, we learn from our mistakes and we learn from our experiences and. And maybe some other people who are dealing with their mothers, because there's something special about a mother. Uh, mothers and daughters don't always seem to get along. I don't know what the chemistry is or whatever, but what what have you learned and what advice could you give to um, caregivers who have to deal with their mothers or even their mother-in-laws? I mean, uh, Adrian used to care for her mother-in-law and her mother. Better than my mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. Say, uh, no comment. 
One of the things I would have done, too, was to make sure, and of course have my brother do this, was to have had my brother make sure she got a will done. Because he keeps telling she was dying in test date and we're in September, and we're still going through all kinds of stuff. And um, it's, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. And um, in fact, when I called the probate, I had to get a probate bond. When I called him last Friday, the woman answered the phone and said, I need a probate bond. I need a, a property bond for probate court. And the woman just said, oh, honey, bless your heart. <laughs> and I just <laughs> laughed. And I said, I needed that laugh. I needed that at that moment. That was good. <laughs> but um, um, and actually, once when, uh, one of the times my mother was in ICU, somebody or in the hospital, somebody came in for us to sign something. And my brother, uh, my youngest brother, Scott, was there, who is just a, a, just a wonderful. He said, she goes, would you sign this? And my mother's there. She could hear us. And I said, um, could you let him sign it? Because I'm the daughter, and if I sign it, anything goes wrong. I did it on purpose. If he signs it, anything goes wrong, it's your fault, you know. Right, not, right. Not I, I understand that. And, yeah. And, and the nurse said, really? She goes, you know what? I've got a son and a daughter, and I do them the same way. I just realized, I said, well, don't do it anymore. Don't do it anymore. My mother said, not a word, not a peep. But I would have, you know, my brother kicks, he, he gives himself a hard time for not getting her to get a will. That's the only thing I probably would have done was to get him to go ahead and, and just drive her to a court so there would be a will, so there wouldn't be all this stuff we're going through. And um, to find the people, uh, if, I, if I could have just rounded up the people whose advice she takes more seriously than mine, uh-huh. Adrian, you know what I'm talking about? Like if somebody else says it, yes. <laughs> then she comes and tells me, well, they said you should do this, you know. And I go, well, of I course, you that. they well, know better. Know yeah, who knew they you know what you were talking better. about? Exactly. I would have rounded up those people and just talked to them like an, almost like an intervention, but just to say, look, if you go and tell her she needs this, she'll do it. Mm. And this will save her. If you yeah, tell I her she needs to get a second, do you get a second opinion about the problem she right. had? Um, she had the venous ulcers on her leg, on her ankles. I said, if you go and tell her to do something, you know, uh, then she'll do it. And yeah. that's what I, I should have done. I should have gotten that. It's done. like that scene in. It's um, a good piece of information, though, really, yeah. because there are so many people who know that. They have a hard time communicating that you should do this and you should. It, it's, it's a should. You're shooting on people. And it's easier when it comes from a doctor or a nurse or uh-huh. a technician or a clinician. They know better than we do. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, familiarity breeds contempt. There was a, <laughs> yes. a movie called Father of the Bride. And uh, I it's just classic, you know, the... The, the girl who's who's going to be married to the new man, you know, and and the father who every little girl was their daddy's hero, you know, and then when they meet the guy, it's like they dump, throw their father under the bus. And so uh, she was going to go outside and he says, honey, it's cold outside. You should wear a jacket. She goes, no, I don't think so. And her fiance says, honey, it is cold outside. Maybe you should. She goes, oh, you think so? Okay. And he just, <laughs> he just saw... His, his authority just go down the drain, you know. Uh-huh. Like, Is this the original movie or the remake? No, 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 the, the remake with uh, okay. the Saturday <laughs> Night Live. Know. What was his name, Saturday Night Live? Uh, Bill? No, Steve no, no. Martin. Steve Martin, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Martin Short. Yes. And I can't Those remember who the, the mother was. 
But yeah, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I'm not. I don't know if I should, you know, name names. But when the nurse, when the hospital dietitian would say, you have to eat this kind of food, you can't eat this kind of food, it's making your stomach ulcer worse. You know, and, and she had several different problems. They said, don't eat this, mm. eat this. And she'd go home and right away, and I thought, okay, if I could use Facebook good enough to make a picture of someone she doesn't like eating Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> and someone she does like, Eating, you know, kale salad that might help. That would help, you know. But um, I'm name. talking about presidential nominees, okay? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then maybe she go, oh, oh, he likes salad now, okay? Yeah, yeah that would have helped. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Well, listen, we're gonna take a break. Uh, don't go away. We'll be right back. Dave Nasani, the caregiver's caregiver has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too, Thrive to Stay Alive as a Caregiver. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through because he is one. He now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his amazing caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Thrive and stay alive as a caregiver will help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life and learn to put their needs first Pick up your copy today or buy one for your special caregiver on sale everywhere and at caregiverdave.com. And we're back on the Caregiver Dave Show with my guests Jennifer Perry, Madam Perry, and Adrian Gruberg, my co-host. And I was going to ask you, uh, Jennifer, that uh, what you kind of do for a living is um, you help people... uh, address ways that their lives uh, could be different for a while and how to adopt or create new approaches to work, learning, and socializing. Uh, caregivers really need that because they're kind of, you know, clueless. They either they got fired from their job because their caregiving was uh, overwhelming them or they got laid off or they quit or whatever, but they, they kind of lost their way because their identity is so wrapped up in not who they are but what they do. How can you help those people? You know, that's uh, such a question, especially now, you know, with a lot of things changing and people aren't going to the same kind of jobs anymore. Sometimes they can work from home or not. Uh, The world has changed and we, it's always, we have to adapt, you know, like we adapted with the internet. Some companies failed, some companies adapted, some were created. Um, Once we had the World Wide Web and you could shop on it and learn on it and so forth. Um, I tell people, you know, one of the things I specialize in, especially with clients, uh, like authors or musicians, is unconventional locations or unconventional events for authors. Instead of people think that they're going to, because, you know, people think they're going to have a book and like they stay on TV, somebody writes a book and they got a line around the block, people want to buy the book. And that's not reality. That's TV. 
and they think they're going to sit behind a table, and that's it, and they just can't, and they're shocked. So I always tell them, um, I like the unconventional tours. You know, I'll book them in a um, coffee shop, art gallery, uh, wellness center, wine bar, jazz club, or as I said, for one client, <laughs> Sounds like this fun. girl came to me, her book was, it was almost Thanksgiving, her book was out, so she didn't have any lead time. You know, she goes, oh, well, I thought you waited until the book was there. And it's Christmas. How are you going to sell a book? You know, you haven't even had time to get reviews or anything. So we've set up like a little um, at wine bars, and I sent out a press release saying, uh, come, sit down, take a load off. You know, she's going to gift wrap the book. You'll take get, knock a few names <laughs> off your list. Have a second, you know, sangria or margarita and just mm. relax. And, uh, of course, that's going to be a little different now, too, and I'm coming up with ways for that. But... Um, but yeah, you've got to you got to find something different. You've got to just use your imagination. You know, when I was growing up, I thought this year was the year we'd have flying cars and like mm. Rosie the robot would clean the house like on the Jetsons. Mm -hmm. And instead, we're trying to tell people to wash their hands. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I tell yeah. So if you use your imagination and just let your mind just free flow. People talk about mind mapping and stuff. Just let your mind go to what you could do, and then. Who would be your, who would buy this service from you? How could you do it? Uh, you can, nowadays people teach online. Uh, my friend taught English to children in China online because she's very, um, oh, she's very entertaining and, she, and people, she's very lovable. So, you know, you can teach online. There's, everybody's got some kind of service that they can do in some way. Some, more than one specialty, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Um First of all, like I said, look on the You know, you might get hired to do some coding for somebody and then pick up a client. Um, yeah. And, you know, like uh, how some... Go quick ahead. Quick question. Do you, do you work with people who are self-published as well as people who have publishers or... Yes, definitely. Yeah. And, and uh, in fact, that's why I wrote Sell Your Books Today because... You know, so many people that they, they, they didn't know how to do the lead time, and then they said, "Well, I can't afford a publicist." And and I said, "Look, you can right. be your own promoter. Buy the book for yourself, or buy it for your best friend or significant other who can promote the books for you." And then I started doing um, just recently a, a, a group, and this is for people who can't afford a publicist, who need to do their own, but they need to learn how. And I say, I'll show you tips, tricks, voodoo. I give you a few trade secrets, <laughs> you know. Hey, voodoo, you know, you can work it. Um, but I started doing a little cluster of people, and one was somebody that I had made a sheet for uh, with Fiverr, and we would meet once a week by phone, four of us. We don't need any more than four people, and I would we would talk about something. I'd give them a lesson, give them an assignment. They'd come back. Uh, we did field trips on the phone on Twitter. I showed them little tricks that I use when I've done. Uh, as I call it, ghost tweeting for other clients, how to keep it in their in their lane, in their voice, and how to connect with people who can be their uh, supportive peers, who can be their readers, who can be the buyers, or retail buyers, and who could be the media to help them promote, um, how to get each level uh, or each type of uh, follower to engage with them. 
and we just had a great time. And the thing is, though, I only have I've had one group so far. I'm ready for a second one, and they have just done amazing things. I mean, I've got a guy that's Joe Spriga up in Michigan, a four-time cancer survivor, has it again, has the most beautiful children's book I've ever seen in my life. Just got a mm-hmm. second one, without self-published, no promoter. You know, he's always at the doctor, but he has done three maybe four Barnes and Noble signings. I've had him on TV shows, uh, children's TV shows in Af- in uh, South Africa that you can do online. Um, it's, it's just magnificent, you know, what people can do. And, yeah, I, I love it. I know I, I know I chatter about it, but I love it. I love it so when people have something and they – and I think that's why I like doing publicity and PR because I like games and puzzles. And you find what is it about one <laughs> section of their work and what show or media would be attached to that part and then another for another. You know, do they write and also cook, you know, get them in gourmet or something. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so are you an expert in social media at this point? Yes. I uh-huh. I think I'm fairly much an expert. Yeah, I, I can manage. I can uh, navigate the micromedia landscape. The micromedia. I might have a new client for you. <laughs> oh, good. Very good. No, I do. I just um, I just like seeing how you know. There's always good and bad everywhere, and people. Some people complain, but I have had the most fun. And that, if if I can tell you one story, I have one client. Mm-hmm. This is how much you can do with social media. One guy, a musician, um, and trying to get something going for him, new CD. So I started with LinkedIn and found something. Let me just say from start to finish, within about 18 hours, and he was in Atlanta also. In 18 hours, I had him booked on a, a morning show, morning talk show in Birmingham, Alabama. It's on the ABC affiliate. So you got a major network affiliate affiliate morning show and then i thought okay i got that booked now i've got to have something so they can say and if you like his music here you can go see him here so i'll um i got him a place to play in an art gallery and the guy that owned the art gallery that was in a little um artsy section of uh called avondale a little arty area in birmingham and um next thing you know then that was on twitter so i got the one from linkedin one from twitter and it just kept going and uh, and Facebook. So by the time, within 18 hours, I had a morning TV show, gig at an art gallery, mm-hmm. a wine importer donated wine. Wonderful. Uh, some of the restaurants donated plates of like like containers of wings, some pizza, some food. Um, Another little online media promoted it. And then another restaurant that was just opening and had the media coming out saying, well, why don't you have them come to our restaurant? So when the TV comes to say, hey, this is a new restaurant, you can also have this musician in there, too. And it's like, and then when the night, uh, so we get there early in the morning, or I did, he was there the night before, get there in the morning. So from the morning to the evening and that night, a thunderstorm started that was going to become um, a possible tornado. And that mm. place was packed. I mean, the, that art gallery was full of people. Wow. And I thought, I was just amazed by how much I could do. I thought, I haven't even left my chair to do this. <laughs> and, yeah, wine, wings, pizza, you know, uh, promotions, other TV shows, other stuff. Telephone. And, 
Yeah, that's all you need. And so I say, yeah, you can get whatever you want as social media if you just do it the right way. You know, because it's like everything else. You can run people off or you can make them interested and you can work together and then you can make those connections. And since then, I've had two or three more um, clients on that same TV show. All I just do is call them and say, hey, this is Jen. How you guys doing? I got another client. She's going to be at the Barnes & Noble there in Bar- Birmingham. Oh, yeah. And they yeah, know you. Yeah. And they know yes. that I'll deliver good people. You know, we and uh, it's great. You, know, you have a relationship with them. So wow, it's you, fun. You're it's a good publicist. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's a lot of caregivers out there who are um, who have a book in them, and they don't mm-hmm. think they can write. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a story. Everyone has a story, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone can write about a story. Yeah. And fortunately, I met a guy who taught me how to write a book in 30 days, and I wrote one, and then I wrote another one, and another one, and another one. And, and uh, you know, I still don't think I can write. Uh, oh, yes, you can. You know you can. <laughs> You're uh, so modest, but yes. It, it's like writing a song, right? There's people who it just flows out of them, and then there's people who just mm-hmm. painstakingly, and they got to edit it, and edit it, and edit it, and edit it. You know, I'm I'm the latter, but somehow it gets out. But um, how do you help those who who want to but don't think they can? Because this start up here, you know, you, if you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you yeah. can't. How do you get over that hurdle, the self-sabotaging stuff? Oh, that's a great question. I've got an answer. Well, there are people <laughs> who say, I don't know if this will be good. I don't know if anybody will like it. What oh, if my. this, what if that? Yeah, and when and because the one reason I tell people they need to promote is I go, people can't buy your book until they know about it. But when they got that attitude, like you are just saying, what if nobody wants to read it? I just tell them, I go, stop and think. You don't have to say this out loud to me. Just by yourself, stop and think. Tell me who are your top favorite authors. Give me one, two, three. Who are your favorite authors? All right, name one, Dave, Adrian. Philip Roth. Who? Philip Roth? Okay. Yeah. Dave? Uh, Joyce Meyer. Okay. You love their books, right? You yes. probably, if you if you love them that much, you've probably even given them as gifts to other people, right? Yes. Or recommended them? Yes. And so they oh, mean a lot to you. Recommended them, yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so. I don't part with them. I hold them. <laughs> okay. You don't <laughs> Okay. Well, I don't mean give you your own book, but yeah. So think about how much those books mean to you that you would recommend to people. And then think, what if they never wrote those books? And think about the void in your life from not having books. The Joyce Meyer or the Philip Roth or it, Think about what they mean to you, and then all of a sudden, if that was taken away, okay? Well, maybe yeah. they never thought that they could mean that much to you. Maybe if they, you know, everybody has their moment of doubt. And what if that? So what if you are that for somebody, and somebody's out there waiting, and you're letting them down because you're thinking, oh, nobody wants to. Yeah, it's the, That's you. It's the Jimmy Stewart, It's a Wonderful Life what would the world be like if you were never born? You know? Yeah. Pottersville. I've got, I've, got to, I've got to say something as a quick aside here. Philip Roy, I adore Philip Roy. And he, he's a difficult read and a difficult man. But when, when he passed away, 
His house is for sale now in Connecticut, and I'm looking for a new place to live. Oh, okay. So, I don't know. There's something there. Connecticut yeah. or Ohio? His, mm, his apartment in Manhattan's for sale. Is it? Oh, my. Yeah. That's like so. owning one of Elvis's cars. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, not quite, but, you know, he wrote some important things. <laughs> I mean, I would love to have one of Rosalind Russell's hats. You know, I'm a big fan oh. of her. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Auntie May. She was a role model. Yeah. Yes, yeah, she was one of my From the women, she had fabulous hats in the women. Those little oh. tiny things that just sort yes. of perched yes. on her head. I love, yeah. <laughs> love that movie. Oh, her, she was great. I mean, she's just the best. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, Roger Russell hat, I would be there, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll let you know if they have an, an auction at Christie's of <laughs> Roger oh, Russell's closet. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know. Well, listen, we're going to take another break. So, don't go away. We will be right back. We're having okay. so much fun, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> I am. We are a community of caregivers that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our welcome pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live weekly connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story forum, posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group. You can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we're here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope. And we're back on the Caregiver Dave Show. I'm Dave Nassani. Jennifer Perry is our wonderful guest. Adrian Gruberg is my wonderful co-host. And let's talk, Jennifer, about today's events, what's going on today. These are tough times. I mean, I I was around in the 60s. I thought those were tough times, you know, and mm-hmm. all the assassinations of Martin Luther King and JFK and Robert Kennedy, and it just seems like we're all oh. killing each other. And, and we're getting pretty close to that, don't you think? God forbid. Ah, uh, yeah. I was I was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, I was there. Jennifer's too no, young. You were to younger. She doesn't know what we we're talking about. Oh yeah, that's no. right. I'm way <laughs> too young. Yeah, I, but I read a lot, <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah. How do caregivers cope in these hard times? I mean, caregiving is hard enough, but you know, with the riots and, and with the the COVID nineteen and uh, you know, just turn on the news, impeachment. I mean, you know, what's next? Yeah, as a uh, um, and I don't know if I have the answer. I know that my uh, my youngest brother I talked about, his daughter, whom I adore, she has a little boy, and 
last year, she invited me over one day and uh, into a little poop, a little above ground pool. We had a good time with the kid. I had a wonderful time. So she said, okay, a few weeks ago, she wanted to do it again. And she wanted me there. And I just got the last month of this people. She goes, well, it's only going to be just a family. But I thought about all the people, her mom, her mom's boyfriend, all these people have been out different places. And as much as I right. love my niece and love love her child, all the, I just couldn't. So I called my, um, I finally, I just had to call her and tell her. I didn't want to send a text to her. I wanted to talk to her and said, I'm just so apprehensive about going out. And I talked to my brother last night. I said, is, she, is, is Megan upset with me? About that, he goes, she is hurt. But I tried to tell her, these are different times. And I said, well, yeah, I would feel gutted if I were asymptomatic and brought something to them and didn't know. You know, if right. I were, you don't know. And I said, I would be, I would be horrified. I'd be gutted to think that I brought something there like that. And, and you don't know. Um, my my best friend and I we were just, um, back in March, I had been to my, Annual Good Time, which is Wild Wild West Con, is a steampunk convention in an old west town in Tucson. Have you ever heard of steampunk? You know. Yes, yes. Yeah. Heard of and Tucson. Takes, and it takes place in Tucson. <laughs> it's a place called Old Town. You've heard of Tucson? Yeah, good. You're on the way. Between the two of you, we got it. So Old Town Tucson <laughs> is where a lot of films like Rio Bravo were made and TV yeah. shows, Little Village. And this is a tourist attraction. So once a year, the steampunkers and that are meet up there and I'll, I'm always invited to do a presentation on how to, on, on, on mastering wireless uh, through the ether or how to start a podcast. And uh, so we're all on our funny clothes. This year we left on a Sunday, moved our clocks up. Oh, and as I tell my husband, well, because we're Western steampunk and we're in a Western town, we look like we fit. My husband's reading the bed. He goes, just keep telling yourself that. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I said, you know, we left there on a Sunday, I think the ninth, we rolled our clock ahead one hour into the twilight zone. Because when everybody got back home, everybody, everything changed. There was a band from Italy that went back. Everything was mm. shut down. My best friend and I wanted to get together that weekend. And then we finally, we both called and said, I hate to do this. No, I hate to do this. And we were both mm. thinking, how do I tell her I'm afraid to go out? Um, but... See, did I have a point there somewhere? Um, it's, so my brother told her, he said, you know, she's just, she's, it's just a different world. He says, I have to sign things when I go to work and sales and, and truck parts sales about, I don't have a fever. I don't have this, this, or this symptom. And I, I think, you know, we just got to try to connect the best we can because I know it hurts. It hurts me not to see her and her well, little you boy. You can Zoom and... And explain. Better than nothing, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. No, but I mean, it is a face-to-face, you know, conversation. Yeah. I mean, because I know that I I was the first person in my area to go shopping with a mask and gloves, and they all looked at me like I was nuts, you know, (laughs) but I'm a high-risk individual, and I had to cancel appointments, and... There was a funeral I couldn't go to, and it was just one thing after another that I mm-hmm. found myself withdrawing yeah. from because I was afraid. I was afraid of getting it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, my, and my, my boyfriend wife... got here from L.A. on the 11th, 
and he's still here. He's not flying anywhere yet. Yeah. Not with not with the te- the counts and, going up. You and my wife and I were flying in January uh, to Hawaii, and every Asian had a mask on. And I was I remember thinking, wow, what are they wearing masks for? You know, I mean, <laughs> are they sick or they don't want to get sick? Uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they knew how bad it was because none of us did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I flew, was flying back from Tucson, I was sitting between two young women probably in their 20s. And they would mm-hmm. both have their sleeves up over their hands and their mask and everything. And I, so I would hand them out little wet wipes or little tissues. <laughs> Do you want this to wipe up? After they ate, they go, oh, thank you. Everything. You know? Yeah. So yeah. how do how do caregivers determine when it's okay to be rational and when it's okay to be emotional? Because we're hearing stories mm. like uh, you know their loved one falls down, might have a broken hip, but they're too afraid mm-hmm. to go to the ER to get X-rays. I mean, is that irrational fear? Because uh, fear is usually not good, right? Right. Yeah. Well. Um... It is not good unless it's fear of, you know, if I go too far this cliff, I'm going to fall off. That's, you know, the only rational fear. But I I, I don't know how, you know, like I said, I wish I knew the answer. It's just that I know that a lot of people now say that um, uh, you go to the doctor. My husband did this, and and I think my brother, you go, yeah, pull into your parking spot, let them know you're there. Just like when you go to pizza now, you pull into the parking spot, tell them, I'm here. And then they let you know when you can come in and keep you apart. I haven't had um, any bad situations. Like just a few times I've gone to the grocery store, but um, people have been pretty you know, sensible and things. But, but, yeah. Yeah, but you think about, oh, there's a, a hospital, an emergency room. If you had to go, and there's other people oh, you know, sick. Yeah. And, yeah. The thought um, of it was, I mean, I had a friend who was who had his MS who was in Italy I needed to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about being scared out of her wits, because uh, you know, yeah. yeah, who knew what was going to be on the other side of the hospital? Mm-hmm. And I have a gas station in California, uh, forty years, forty-one years almost, and you know, everyone in California, they're supposed to wear masks, and some gas stations right. aren't enforcing it. The signs are up and everything, and they have the masks on, but. When customers come in, they don't confront them, and we do, and we don't even – we closed our restroom. You I'm know, for proud like, of you. Because uh, everyone who comes into our station uses the restroom because we're at the bottom of this hill, 27 miles. They come into our station not because we have the best price or anything. It's because their tanks are on empty and their bladders are on full, <laughs> and we are there, and we have an expensive stop, you know. And so uh, everyone wants to use it. And we, for six weeks, we close it down. No, the restroom's out of order. No, the restroom's out of order. No, the restroom's out of order. I mean, like 5,000 times a day we say this. And finally, um, we opened just the ladies' room, made it a unisex one. And mm. they need a mask. They need to be a customer. And we take their temperature with the laser thing. That's great. But half of the people who come into our station, because they're coming from Canada to Mexico. It's a mm-hmm. Interstate 5 nonstop, Greek states, three countries, and half of them are clueless. They come in without a mask. Sir, you need a mask. Oh, I, they didn't 
make me wear a mask in Bakersfield or in San Diego. I says, well, here you need a mask, you know. And one out of a hundred of them will be very confrontive with us and, and get upset. This is all BS, you know, this is a conspiracy theory. And, and I says, well, it might be, well, but, you know, leave. we all have to go home to elderly people and we want to stay safe. So uh, we refuse the, the right to refuse service uh, to Absolutely. anybody who doesn't. Some places you can't yeah. get served if you don't have shoes on, you know. <laughs> I'm, li I'm living in a war zone now because I walk, I walk out of my building and everything is boarded up because I oh. live right off Fifth Avenue. You are very close, yeah. And yeah. I'm right near riots. Union Square and the marches were going down Fifth and they were breaking into shops and everybody's boarded up. So when you leave the house, all you see now is plywood. <laughs> it's and just the places that you used to do shopping at, you can't go anymore. Except the only place we've got Trader Joe's open, we've got Home Depot open. The one that's where all the plywood banks. came from. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, the bank. You can, you, you know, you've got the cash machines, but um, if you want to tell her, you ha not all the banks are open. Yeah. So, and so when you hear people talk about abolish the police department, defund the police department, that's got to be scary for caregivers because they're the ones, you know, uh, along with the minorities, of course, who dial 911, you know, my, my loved one, uh, you know, isn't breathing, uh, can you send an ambulance or something like that? It scares people, and yeah. how do caregivers, and everybody for that matter, deal with the fear, fear of the unknown? Because a lot of people are talking about defunding the police. They don't even know what that means. So, oh, well, no. it's not bad. You know, it just it's means we're going to reorganize. Well, we really don't know what it means, Adrian. Yeah. It, the, it's in everyone's mind. No, I mean, I know, my governor knows what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the ones that, that have the guts, like uh, Minnesota, to stand up, the mayor, against mm -hmm. the mob, they just boot them out off of the crowd. I mean, it's like uh, they have a veto-proof vote in the city council. Um, this country is getting torn apart, and kids are just yeah. trying to care for their loved one. These are strange times. One thing I had to say, too, was like my, uh, my, my the niece I was talking about, she got a job at the Publix grocery store a few weeks ago. And I sent her a picture of a mask that I had made because with the steampunkers, everybody's so creative and makes things. So a lot of people are making some kind of, um, you know, fancy yeah. masks, like a post-poc lips or whatever things. What did you uh, make? The old, well, actually, I had this, uh, like a, a prom dress that I had gotten <laughs> at, at Value Village because I was going to make, use it as part An of a ugly costume. ugly prom right? dress, huh? No! Well, yeah, it's kind of like a bright, <laughs> vivid uh, violet and, uh, and you know, just it's strapless and, and sequins. Yeah. So what I did was I was using the bottom part. I cut the top part off. I thought, wait a minute. Rather than try to make a mask, I have to cut stuff and do this. I'm not a seamstress. I thought, I've got two cups right here that would fit over the face. So I took one. It's got like the little swirl. It's already got a bone in it. It stays there. I just put it back. So she's got like just a one one half of the bodice mm. and put it on. Um, 
I'll send you a picture of it. And so I sent it to my niece, and she goes, I love it. I have it. I said, yeah, I'll make you one from the other half. But I went ahead and sent her mine. So I thought, you know, maybe if I just had some kind of thing, well, like a, uh, like one of the plague, those plague masks. From, what do uh, those look like? Little like the, like the uh, beak kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, like like. Wow. I never saw I that. I thought, maybe... Maybe if you've got something like that that's funny, like it's got a, um, yeah, that's got a, like a part of a prom dress or it's got some kind of a character on or, or that kind of, maybe you can just. Get, you can get rid of that old, ugly uh, bridesmaid dress. Yes. <laughs> I had, yes, exactly. The one that you, sure, you can wear it again. Yeah. <laughs> to a costume yeah. party. Um, yeah, I always sometimes I can find my way out of situations with humor. If I can think fast enough, use humor, and I figure maybe if you've got a crazy mask or something like that, instead of somebody going, "Oh, you got a mask, you believe that hoax," it's like, "Oh my God, where did you get that? Who right. made that the, mask?" The new for you? fashion statement now. Yeah, so just try to. I'm just trying to find something funny about make make people just sort of laugh so that because yeah. I got you know out here everywhere you get people saying, you know, you don't have to wear that, you know, it's a hoax. But I figure yeah. if you change, if you switch it around, where they go, "Oh my God, who did that?" And, and we that? sell them. We sold about 4,000 masks, believe it or not. Yeah. Because nobody <laughs> had them in the me. beginning. Now everybody's got them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and he yeah, sold some I sent to some me to Adrian. it was yeah. impossible to get them at the time. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now they're okay. selling I'm them on the street now. corner, you know? Oh. Yeah. The capitalism will always uh, meet the need. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> on the street, some at the gas station. Fill up yep. here and get a mask. Is that what you do, Dave? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if somebody drove into the gas station and didn't have a mask, you could sell them. Sir, one. you need a mask, but we sell them. <laughs> to tell them, you got to pay first, and we'll give you a key and your allotment of toilet paper. We're not going to have anybody kind of running off with a roll of paper. Yeah, well, that's why we here. closed the restroom in the first place, because parents were coming <laughs> in with sick children that were coughing and sneezing. And then they had the oh. audacity to steal our toilet paper. Can you imagine oh, that? Oh, God. I just shut it down. I said, this is not worth me taking no. the germ home to Charlene. It's too you know? dangerous. <laughs> Much too. The, the liability is amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, we're, we're just about out of time. Um, what would you like to tell the people watching who maybe you want to help? Maybe I want you to be my publicist. I don't know. <laughs> you know, a you lot of it connections. just has to do is with, uh, uh, to me, everything ends up with, you know, just you have your intent, sincerity, and connections. Uh, several years ago, I was at Book Expo America, the Javits Center, near you, Adrian. I wasn't even in line to get this woman's book, but she saw me, reached over from her line, and insisted I take her book. Hmm. I, I wasn't even in her line. She goes, you. I took it. We got to know each other. She was on my podcast. Now... She's with Sacred Stories, publishing too. And because of her, I met Dave. Yeah, that's how I met him. And you. had him on my show. And because, so because of Kat, Kathleen Cat Cannabis, mm. uh, because of her and Sacred Stories, I met you. Now through you, I've met Adrian. It's all in connections. You never know how magical the people you meet are. And, um, and I knew Cat from years ago because I met her mm -hmm. through a mastermind group. And uh, really, said, wait a minute, I know her. And she goes, wait a minute, I know you. Like uh, seven or eight years ago, we met in person. And I actually did a story on one of her uh, co-author books. Yeah, that's great. So see, oh, 
So that's it, you know, just open your mind to what the possibility, don't think about what, think about how things could be done a little differently, be a little, you're going to have to, you're going to have to use your imagination. Pretend like you're on TV and, and what if, um, what if someone's watching your character and goes, how do they get out of this? You know, just <laughs> how are you going to get out of it? Uh, and yeah, so yeah, think a little differently. And I know that sounds very, you know, high level, like, well, tell me how. And it's the connections, and it's the people, and how you treat people. Like I said, if it hadn't been for her, if I'd went like, "Lady, I don't want your book or something," you know, right. this is about surviving cancer land. I don't want, to, I don't want to read it. But if I hadn't, I wouldn't have gotten to know her so well. You, and it just keeps going on and going on. And so, how does someone get a hold of you? What's your contact info? Get a hold of me through. Um, my business is called Lone Wolf Communications. It does not mean I'm some I'm terrorist. So... Oh, go ahead. I didn't hear you. All right. Lone, Just lone wolf. Lone wolf. Yeah, it's because from the lone beginning. Wolf. Yeah, I thought I hired somebody, and they called up a newspaper and told them off because they thought that some story I gave them wasn't big enough. And I said, "Don't you ever tell off. Don't you ever tell off anybody. Don't you ever be rude to a journalist." Wow. So now I'm gonna call it Lone Wolf, okay? Because I'm gonna be the only wolf telling people. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna be the only one because you can't be rude to people and get anything. And uh, but anyway. Uh, Lone Wolf Communications, you can find me on, uh, or you can find Madam Perry or, or Lone Wolf Jen on Instagram, uh, Madam Perry or Perry Jen on Twitter, Facebook, everywhere, LinkedIn, and please just find me, Jennifer Perry, Madam Perry, I think I'm the only Madam Perry, um, yeah, Madam Perry on anything. Something and magical please. about that name. Well, it's 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 it sounds like somebody who conducts seances. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I, that might be my next gig. So yeah, I wanted to be like I wanted to be like Adrian. Women in the past who would have who would have salons in their home and bring yeah. authors, musicians, um, thought leaders of the day. You know, that's where uh, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien met. Was in one of those type of salons and. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to be. So I'm having it in cyberspace, and yeah. And Dave's been there. Right. You should be there. You should come sometime. Okay. Adrian. So yes, look at Madam Perry or Lone Wolf Chin. You'll find me. You'll know it's me. Especially if there's a corgi in the picture, you'll know it's me. <laughs> Adrian, and how do I get a hold of you? That's Adrian at thecaregiverspace dot org. And the Caregiver Space is the Facebook page. And there are forums for lots of different categories. Just the basic community has 6,500 people, but we've got 165,000 people on the Facebook page. So um, you go to the website, you'll find all the links. Big community. And, Dave, can yes. I say one more thing? Yeah. I just want to say, first of all, thank you so much for having me on here. This is an absolute privilege. Uh, I am so honored privilege to be here with you and Adrian. But I wish I had known about you, the caregiver's caregiver, a few years ago. Uh, but now I wish I, I knew about me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, know you, I know you do. Well, that's why we're here, Dave. Yeah. And still, there's going to be times when I'm going to be needed to do it again or need one. And I just think you... 
to you do so much to help people to lift us Thank up you. to keep us from going out of our rabid ass minds okay well, I try. so they're trying <laughs> thank you you're you're not always is so, successful but i'm trying your work you're probably more than you know your work is you so can lead a horse to so water needed. but you can't make them drink it <laughs> <laughs> right so that's our story and we're sticking to it thank you so much for coming <laughs> on the show thank you so much adrian for uh showing up every single week after week after week <laughs> sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing.